We believe in one God, the Father, the Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, of all that is seen and unseen. We believe in one Lord, Jesus Christ, the only Son of God, eternally begotten of the Father, God from God, light from light, true God from true God, begotten, not made, of one being with the Father. For us and for our salvation, he came down from heaven. By the power of the Holy Spirit, he was born of the Virgin Mary and became man. For our sake, he was crucified under Pontius Pilate. He suffered, died, and was buried. On the third day, he rose again in fulfillment of the scriptures. He ascended into heaven and is seated at the right hand of the Father. He will come again in glory to judge the living and the dead and his kingdom will have no end. We believe in the Holy Spirit, the Lord, the giver of life, who proceeds from the Father and the Son, who with the Father and the Son is worshiped and glorified, who has spoken through the prophets. We believe in one holy Christian and apostolic church. We acknowledge one baptism for the forgiveness of sins. And we look for the resurrection of the dead and the life of the world to come. Amen.
Yours and 
find it in Jesus Christ. I find it in Jesus Christ. It's my joy to lose my life. Find it in Jesus Christ. We find it in Jesus Christ. And it's my joy to lose my life. Find it in Jesus Christ. We find it in Jesus Christ. And it's my joy to lose my life. Find it in Jesus Christ. Find it in Jesus Christ. It's my joy to lose my life. Find it in Jesus Christ. Find it in Jesus Christ. And it's my joy to lose my It's our joy to serve.
wanting a place to hide this weary soul, this bag of bones. I think the master, I think the savior, I think God. 
seed was heavy, but chains break out the weight of your glory. I needed shelter, I was an orphan, but you called me a citizen of heaven. When I was broken, you were my healing. If you're new here, we would love for you to grab one of these Connect cards on the back table and fill it out and just place it in the offering bucket or hand it to an usher. Go around and greet some of your family of faith this morning. We're so glad to have you here with us. Oh, I didn't even see it.
Hey, well, good morning, good morning. Good morning. It's good to have you today here at Only Believe at Urbana. And, uh, you know, the person in this room is not paying attention to me is my wife. You know that? She's just like, this is what it's like at home. It just ignores me, you know? I'm kidding, I'm kidding. Amen, all right. Well, let's get ready for tithe and offerings. If you have something to give, go ahead and prepare that. Be an offering envelope, wave your hand around, and one of our phenomenal ushers will help you out. And they'll get that ready. Amen. All right, I'm, a, I'm just going to pray over it this morning. I think they got the buckets up here on this mic. They're all, for some reason, up there today. So let's pray over your tithe and offering. If you have something to give when I'm done praying, you can run it on down. And uh, we do appreciate your giving. And by the way, y'all know, y'all know that uh, after today, we only have two more Sundays in this facility. It's, it's, it's coming down the pipe like a freight train. And we, we got a lot to do. But it's a good deal, so um, we're excited about that. We'll, right when service is over, um, uh, we'll kind of give a quick update once we get off live stream on some things happening this week. But uh, lots going on. But anyways, we thank you for your giving, and uh, and we know that that God supplies seed to the sower. But man, we we are, we are people who love to give. It's not, by the way, it's not just about giving here in church, right? It's a lifestyle. It's the way you live. You know, and, and some, people, some people are just like, well, the only reason you talk about giving is you give everybody's money. No, I, I talk about giving because we're a reflection of our Savior, who is the giver, right? And, and, but we're taught how to do it in the church, amen? So let me pray over it. Lord, we thank you for an opportunity to, to worship this morning and, and come to, uh, well, this is your house. Every time, no matter where we get together, it's your place and it's your house. And we worship you today. And as we give today, we pray um, that, that blessings upon all of us, and, and I, I do pray for those that, are, that may have some financial struggles, that, that you, you, again, prove yourself as our provider, and, and Lord, that you are all things that we need, and we thank you for that, and I pray that you do bless us as we give today. In Jesus' name, everybody says, amen. amen. If you have something this morning, you may run it on down, and I see y'all survived the time change. Yeah. Not everybody survived the time change. I bet there's some live streamers that didn't make it, but, but you're okay. Now, you know, um, you know, like we lost time. So you think, you know, you're going to, it's, you're getting up earlier, but my body is weird. I went to total opposite. I woke up at four o'clock and I was like, <sighs> I was awake and I was just like, what is, what's happening here? This is not good. And I didn't go back to sleep. I, I eventually got up at like four thirty-five, made some coffee, you know, so I'm probably going to crash and burn later this afternoon. So anyways, um, it's good to have you today. So quick announcements before we uh, get our Bibles out. Don't forget, church-wide prayer. We are a church who prays. Yes, and, and, and there's no point. If we don't pray, then, you know, what in the world are we trying to do? We, we, need, we always need the heart and the mind of God in everything that we do. 
right? It's not on man's wisdoms, not because I'm smart or we're smart, but because God is who he is. By the way, I say that because church-wide prayer happens every Monday night from 6 to 7 p.m., and we are now praying at the new facility. So if you're going to come to church uh, prayer tomorrow night, it's over at the new place. By the way, if you have no idea where that is, it's 701 South Walnut. Okay, so if, you, if you're actually coming into town at the roundabout, go south, then turn right on Thompson, it's right there. Okay, so 701 South Walnut, uh, that's where we'll be meeting starting Easter weekend. But anyways, uh, prayer tomorrow night uh, from 6 to 7 is over there. Next Sunday, if you are 5th to 12th grader, you're a parent of 5th to 12th grader, don't forget, we have a youth get-together uh, right after church next week. Pastor Tim is coming over from Watkins. I asked him to come, and he, he wants to take the, the, the young people out to eat. And he's going to let them pick where to go. So uh, we're going to go out to eat. Then we're going to head back here. And he's going to spend some time with them. Margaret and I will be with them too. So that's next Sunday. So if you're a parent of a 5th to 12th grader, uh, you can see me. And we'll give more details on the time, probably about till 2.30ish, 3 o'clock, something like that. So uh, also, um, if you've never been water baptized and you'd like to be water baptized, there's a sign-up sheet at the back table. And, and it, 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 it's symbolic of what God is doing in your life. Right. In other words, our salvation, we're made new. And it's the old man, then come up, the new man. And it's symbolic. It's an outward expression. It's a witness to the work of God in your life. So the Christian life, listen, the Christian life is not meant to be secret. Right? This little light of mine. I'm going to hide it so much that the light goes out, right? No, no, no. It's, 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 you're supposed to let the thing shine. And it shouldn't just be a little light. It should be a fire, right? You know what I'm saying? Burning. So water baptism is just a, a witness of what God is doing within you. So if you're interested in that, there's a, there's a sign sheet on the back table. Get your name on that. And we haven't picked a date yet because uh, I'm just waiting for somebody to sign up. Then, then when they do that... We'll, we'll pick a date, but we're, we're shooting for the end of April. I want it to warm up a little bit because we'll do it outside, which will be fun. But the end of April, probably over at the new place, we'll have a baptism when church is over one Sunday. and It will be a celebration. So uh, sign up for that. And obviously then Good Friday, Easter Sunday, uh, Good Friday, uh, April 2nd, 630 is our, our Good Friday service. And that service, by the way, it's time to get us remembrance of, of the death of Jesus on Good Friday. Um, that, that service is, is an hour or less. It's not a long thing. And then uh, Easter Sunday um, at 10 a.m. And, and Good Friday and Easter Sunday are at the new facility. So anyhow, uh, if you have more questions about anything going on, you may see me or, or Margaret. We can help you out maybe. If, now get your word out if you have it. Who's got a Bible today? Who brings the Bible to church? Let me see. I'll, I'm, I'm talking your, your written Bible. Who brings, who brings a phone that's like your Bible? Anybody? We got some phone Bible people. Okay, well, even though uh, uh, they always put the stuff up on the screen, I encourage you to follow along with the Bible if you bring one. So, well, we're going to start uh, today our lead into uh, Resurrection Sunday, Easter Sunday. So today we're going to talk about the cross and uh, the power of the cross. So let's just jump right in 1 Corinthians chapter number 1. 1 Corinthians chapter number 1, if, if you got your Bible, and uh, verse number 17. This is Paul writing to the church in Corinth. 1 Corinthians 1, verse number 17. And it says there, for Christ did not send me, Paul, Christ did not send me to baptize, 
but to preach the gospel. And not with words or eloquent wisdom, lest the cross of Christ be emptied of its power. For the word of the cross is folly to those who are perishing, but to those who are being saved, it is the power of God. Now, I, I, love, I love what Paul is saying, that, that he, he doesn't try to preach the gospel with, with uh, words of eloquent wisdom. If those who preach the gospel had to have a lot of wisdom and do it eloquently, I would be disqualified. So thank goodness you don't have to be an eloquent speaker to share the gospel. Which, by the way, that means all y'all have the ability to share the gospel. All you got to do is just know Jesus and you got something to share. There are those that are called to be teachers. There are those that are the theologians and, and that kind of thing. You don't have to be any of that stuff. All you have to do is just know Jesus and know him as your Savior, and you have something to share. So we, we don't have to share the gospel with eloquent wisdom, but we share it in the power that it is. And the, and the power of the cross, the gospel, by the way, the gospel is the good news of Jesus Christ. How many of y'all uh, still see your salvation as good news to you? Anybody? You should. Never lose the joy of your salvation. It is good news because of the forgiveness of your sins and new life that you've been given and also the new life that's in front of you. So the gospel is the good news. But the good news, the gospel, is built upon the power of the cross. Because without the cross, there is no good news. Right? Now, you know, the, the, the good news of great joy that is for all the people. Who said that? The angels. And when did they proclaim that? When Jesus was born. So Christmas, right? But Christmas is incomplete without Easter. Right? Christmas is complete. God in flesh is complete because of the events of Good Friday and then Resurrection Sunday. Because remember Jesus at Gethsemane when he prayed Man, if you can take this cup from me, yeah, he, he, in his flesh, in his humanity, he did not want to go to the cross. Can, can, can you take this cup from me? Yet not my will, but your will be done. Do you realize if God would have answered the first part of his prayer, we couldn't be saved? Right? If God would say, okay, I'm going to intervene and, and, and we'll, we'll deal with this a different way. The cross would not have happened and the finality of the sacrifice for our sins would not have happened. Christmas is complete because of Good Friday and Easter. They, they all run together. That, that's what the church calendar highlights them. It's because of the importance of them to our faith. But it says that uh, we don't want to look at our faith in a way lest the cross of Christ be emptied of its power. Now, we got a wooden cross on the stage here. This thing right here has no power. You know that? It's just a piece of wood. So when Paul is talking about the cross of Christ and his power, it means what happened on the cross and the finality of sacrifice is its power. Right? So Jesus dying on the cross in the, in, in the, the great mystery of why these things have to happen that way, sacrifice and, and shed blood, all this different stuff. 
The power of our salvation of the good news is found because of what the cross affords us. In other words, what happened on the cross, that, that great sacrifice of God himself is our salvation. And, and we don't want to ever uh, be in a place where uh, we make Christianity about a whole bunch of other stuff and not this and what this means, right? Again, it's not about, not about this, this necessarily this great wisdom or, or eloquence or, or whatever. It is about the power of God in his sacrifice on the cross for us that we find our salvation is the basis for who we are and what we believe and what we do. Because without the cross and the resurrection, our faith is in vain. Yeah. So Galatians chapter 6, let's, let's go to another one. And by the way, as you're turning there, Galatians chapter 6, verse number 14. Notice uh, verse 18, it was, For the cross is folly to those who are perishing, but to us who are being saved is the power of God. You know, you can look at what this is symbolic of and think, that's just a bunch of foolishness. Right? You, th you think about this. Okay. And you think about this in, in, in the way people can see this. So you believe, you believe that God made all this stuff and we messed it up. And his way of making it right was he became a person. It was born of a virgin, right? Then at some point in his life, he realized, oh, I'm I'm. I'm the Son of God. So I'm, I'm going to start doing this ministry, and there's miracles, and there's teaching. And then, then in order to save the world, he gets crucified. And then you believe three days later, he rose from the dead. And sometime after that, he ascended into heaven. And somebody's going to come back and, and, and fix it all and find out, you believe that? Amen. That sounds like a bunch of foolishness to me. The, the cross can be seen as foolishness. But to those who are being saved that have caught the revelation is the power of God. Yes. Right? You, people can see it's a bunch of malarkey. It's just, it's just foolish. It's just, you know, myth. It's just legend. It's just, or, or it is the power of God. Right? Because when you come to the revelation of Jesus Christ, listen, you can't, it, it forces a decision in your life. I'm going to believe this and follow this, or I am not. Jesus, when you come to a revelation and belief, when it comes to you, you can't just stand back and say, ah, whatever. It forces a decision. I'm going to follow, or I am not. Right? So there's people that's just foolishness. But for us who believe who are being saved, it is the power of God. Galatians 6.14. Far be it... This is Paul again. From me to boast, except in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ, by which the world has been crucified to me and I to the world. Listen, pride is a sin. Amen. But if we're going to boast of anything, it's going to be about the cross of Christ. Amen. If we're going to find confidence in anything, it is the power of the cross for our life. We, we can try to find uh, assurance. We can try to find um, uh, 
you know, just stability. We can, we, can, we, can, we can be confident in a lot of different things. But ultimately, the confidence in those things falls short because if we're going to boast of anything, it is about the power of the cross and what it means for our lives. Amen. Let's, let's just do one more here. Uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 22 and 23. Go back to 1 Corinthians where we were. Chapter 1. Verse 22 and 23. So it's kind of a pickup from where we left off. And it says, 21, For since the wisdom of God, the world did not go God through wisdom, and it pleased God through the folly of what we preach to save those who believe. Watch this, verse 22. For Jews demand a signs, Greeks seek wisdom, but we preach Christ crucified. You see that? You can try to seek signs from God. You, you can look for things through philosophy and wisdom. But the church stands in what we preach, and we preach Christ crucified. Listen to me. You can preach a lot of stuff standing up here, but, but if we get far from this, we're missing the point. Everything that comes from the pulpit should only be a hop, skip, and a jump away from this. If we get too far from this, we're preaching what we shouldn't be preaching. For we preach, I don't preach politics. I don't, I don't preach uh, 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 the latest cultural trends. I, I, listen, we preach Christ crucified. And there we stand. Now, you think about the cross, though. Uh, the, the cross has become a symbol of Christianity, right? Now, you, you know, uh, pop culture has tried to hijack that. You see, you see it also, people wearing crosses on necklaces, earrings, you know, T-shirts. You know, crosses are everywhere. Do they really know what they're wearing when they wear that? So, so when I was a teenager in the 80s, yes, I'm old. It, it was a thing, you know, it was a thing to wear. If, if you guys are old enough to remember the dangly earrings that were crosses, you guys remember that? You're old enough to remember that was like a style thing, a fad. You know, dangly earring that had a cross on it. It, it was a fad. It was, it was pop culture. It was whatever. But do they really understand what you're wearing when you wear a cross? Probably not. You see, the cross is, is really crucifixion. So, so the Romans... Uh, uh, you know, when they, when they punished people for crimes, they did it in different ways. But the cross was the gruesome form of capital punishment for Rome. And the Romans crucified thousands upon thousands of people. So it wasn't like if you read, you know, some people think when they read about uh, Jesus being crucified, you got Jesus and the two that were with him. They were the only crucifixion in history. No, there were thousands of crucifixions. Uh, uh, they, they, it was the most, it was, it was gruesome, obviously. It was done to, to uh, shame the one being crucified. So it was a very public spectacle. The Romans would crucify people, then put them, put them on the sides of the road so when people traveled, they see people hanging there. It was, it was their way of saying, don't mess with us or this is what happens to you. Right? And, and especially for those that were involved in insurrection against the Roman state, crucifixion was a deal. So it was kind of like this. You know, Rome, Rome is uh, occupied territories. They were always expanding. So they're always conquering people, Right? So, so if you're a conquered people, that means you're oppressed. So what's, what's the natural response of a conquered people? Rise up against it. 
that's what they did to you. And pretty much saying, if you try to rise up against us, this is what's going to happen. So don't mess with us. So it was a form of capital punishment. And you got to think about this. When Jesus started talking to the disciples in the Gospels about cross and picking up your cross and following me and he's going to die, the disciples knew exactly what he was talking about. It was not foreign to them. They probably all had witnessed the crucifixion. So it was literally when the disciples heard Jesus say that you're going to pick up your cross and follow me. Remember when Jesus was crucified, he, he had to carry his cross? And then Simon, they pulled the guy from the crowd to help him. When Jesus said, you're going to have to pick up your cross and follow me, he was literally saying, you know what it means to have to carry your cross and where it takes you. The disciples were knowing in their mind that he is saying, we're going to die a physical death if we follow you. And they're going, wait a minute. I don't know about this. They knew exactly what a crucifixion was about. It wasn't foreign to them. So from the very start of, of, of telling the disciples about this is where I'm going, you're going to have to live this life. It's like saying this. The cross is a symbol of not only what Jesus did for us, but it's also the symbol of how we must follow him. It's, it's not, it's not a, a, a pop culture uh, a T-shirt, you know, whatever, or earring or a necklace. But it is a life of following Jesus. Amen. Not only what Jesus did for us, but what it means to follow him. You must pick up your cross and follow him. Now, Jesus, he sets up his kingdom by dying on a cross. This is, this is highly significant. It, you know, um, the triumphal entry, we'll, we'll talk about that in a couple weeks. So in a couple weeks is Palm Sunday. We'll talk about this. But back in those times when, when a, a Roman general, they would win battles, and they'd come and do a parade, right? And, and the, Roman, the Roman general would always be on a war horse coming into the city, and there'd be a big parade and, and lots of people, you know, celebrating it. And, and Jesus, in such a, a, a turn of it, Jesus comes into Jerusalem riding on a what? A donkey, a colt of a donkey, which is symbolic of, of peace. So Jesus comes in, and there's a celebration, Hosanna, you know, the palm branches, the whole deal. But Jesus isn't going to a sit-down throne and in some sort of celebration, but he's going to his throne, which was a cross. It's highly symbolic that Jesus sets up his kingdom by dying versus killing other people. Total opposite of the way the world works. You, you remember uh, with the interaction with Pilate, eventually uh, the Jews that, that were wanting him to be crucified, they, they were jealous of him, they, they thought he was in blasphemy, but they knew the Roman state wouldn't crucify him just for blasphemy, but they had to set him up as an insurrectionist to get him crucified. Remember what they shouted back to Pilate? We have no king but Caesar. Remember? Disowning him. And, and, and setting, remember, he was questioned, are you the king of the Jews? Remember when he was crucified, they put above him the king of the Jews? He, he wasn't crucified for blasphemy. He was crucified because he was seen as an insurrectionist against the Roman state. King of the Jews, but there's no king but Caesar. And those that wanted him crucified claimed Caesar as their king. Listen, 
You can have a lot of different allegiances in your life, but your allegiance needs to be to Jesus Christ. As the allegiance, the only king you have is Jesus, and everybody else just falls in line. Right? Don't let allegiances of your life take you away from who he is. We have a king, and his name is Jesus. And the throne that announced his kingship was a cross. And then God backed it up three days later when, when he rose from the dead. And then we live a life in following. We pick up our cross and follow him. It's not glamorous. Not, nothing high-end society about that. You know, there, there's nothing pat yourself on the back prideful about it. So when, when somebody wears a cross, they're wearing a symbol of shame and rejection of pain and suffering. You know that? That's what this, this, this cross symbolizes. But we take that symbol and make it our own as Christians because we may be rejected by the world, but we're going to pick up our cross. It may look like, like people are shaming us because we're following a different way, but you know what? We pick up our cross. Yes, there's death involved because I'm going to die to myself in order to have life. I'm going to pick up my cross. There's a, there's a quote out there. I'm going to throw it out to you. Hans Ern von Balthasar. That's a mouthful. He's an old theologian. He said this. I love this. I heard this a few years ago, and I, I, I wrote it down, and I knew I didn't get it right, so I, I checked it out. Watch what he said about Jesus on the cross. It says, being disguised under the defigurement of an ugly crucifixion and death, the Christ upon the cross is paradoxically the clearest revelation of who God is. You, you can nuance that out in a lot of different ways, but what he's saying is the clearest revelation of the love of God, the clearest revelation of how much, how much the sacrifice that he would go through for us, the clearest revelation of, of God saving his creation with Jesus hanging on a cross. See, see, the cross, you could say, is, is the, the worst kind of, of things that people can do, right? The, the cross of, of Jesus being crucified, God in flesh being crucified, the worst moment of human history, but it's God showing his best to us. That he would do things in such a way that his love would come to us and forgiveness would be afforded and we can live a life in him. Christ upon the cross is the clearest revelation of who God is. I'll take that. That God is not a distant God, just, just hanging out, not caring about his creation leaving us to some sort of fate of destruction because of where sin's taking us. And finally, finally, when we, finally when we cease to exist, however it happens, maybe we bomb ourselves to death. Maybe, uh, I don't know, maybe, maybe because of a ransack of a, a, a disease that, that, that plagues society until, until things start breaking. I don't know. God is not leaving us to that fate. But God has come in flesh to save his creation. He does it by dying on the cross. That's what this is a symbol of. But we must in turn pick up our cross and follow him. Colossians chapter number 2. Let's jump there quick. Colossians chapter 2. 
and verse number 15. And he, Jesus, now watch this, he disarmed the rulers and authorities and put them to open shame by triumphing them over them in him. That's what happened on the cross. Right before verse 14, the ending of it, nailing it to the cross, he disarmed the rulers and authorities and put them to open shame by triumphing them over them in him. The cross and the crucifixion was meant to shame the person on it. And Jesus flips the whole deal. He disarms, the, the, in other words, the disarming of evil in the world happened on the cross. And he then in turn, instead of being shamed himself, he turned them and made public spectacle of them. That in this he has triumphed, and so have you. In this, though it seemed like he absolutely positively lost, that the religious leaders won, he flips the deal on the cross, and in this we find victory. And therefore we stand. It's the power of the cross. See, see the cross being the symbol of Christianity is about humility, forgiveness. It's about a different way. It's about doing things on his terms. It's about rebuilding the world. But this is how it's done. So what's that mean for you? How, how should this cause you to live your life? It, it makes no sense to believe in a God who comes in Jesus and dies on the cross and not, that, not let that affect how you live life. It makes no sense. It's no sense to believe in a God and just believe. But how does that affect you, and how does it affect your perception and, and, and how you see things and then how you go about living life? How does it affect you? If the cross is about humility and forgiveness and sacrifice, it's about, if it's about rebuilding the world, it's about his terms, is that how you begin to live? Do you see the world in a way that I'm going to pick up my cross? Not only that, that I can have life, but then I also can be a person who can give life. You know? That every single day I'm going to answer that call to pick up my cross, they'll deny myself, follow and pick up my cross. Knowing that it leads to death in here. But when it comes to God, whenever there's death, there's always what? Resurrection. Wherever there is death, there's always resurrection. Because resurrection completes the deal. So where I am dying to myself in my old ways, he's bringing life and resurrection to a new way. You don't just die to yourself and leave it, but then he resurrects you. And there's new life to be found, a new way of being, a new way of living. The, is that your perspective of what this all means? So this next Sunday, we're going to talk more about really what the cross did, some different things in Scripture. But, but today is very simple. This, this is what we call the symbol of our Christianity, what Jesus did for us, but also how we are to follow him. Each day, each day, my approach to life is right here that I will die to myself and live in him. Now, I hope, I hope that 
I hope everybody here, you, you, you're forgiven of your sins. I hope so, because that's just the best thing. Right? That, that's just the best thing. And, and to believe in a God that all, all you have to do is ask, and, and as the Bible says, he is faithful and just and will forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. That's just the best thing. But don't leave it there. Now I'm going to follow. And I'm going to see this forgiveness lived out in my life. As Paul says, what, what good is it? It, it, it? You know, grace abounds where there's sin. It, should we keep on sinning so grace abounds the more? By no means. You've been set free. Now live in the freedom that the cross affords you and its sacrifice. Amen? To new life. And what that means, is, and you can't do it without Jesus. That's just kind of the wild thing about it is now this life you're called to live, you have to do it with him. Because you can't do it without him. Everything God calls you to, he always brings you back to him. He never sends you out on your own. Everything he calls you to, he brings you back to him because you always need him. So in order to pick up my cross and follow Jesus, I need him to do it. He's the forerunner, now he helps me. And because he's with us, how many know you can? Let me see. Amen. Amen. One more verse and we'll close up. Philippians chapter 2, verse number 4. We'll probably get into this verse a little more in the next couple of weeks. Philippians chapter 2 and verse number 4. There we go. My pages are sticking together. Got it. All right. Philippians 2.4. It says, Let each of you look not only to his own interests, but also the interests of others. And have this in mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus, who, though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped. But he emptied himself by taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of, of men, and being found in human form, he humbled himself by being, becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. Therefore God has highly exalted him and bestowed on him the name that is above every name, so that the name of Jesus every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under earth, and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord, Amen. to the glory of God the Father. Amen. Amen. So, when they crucified him and set him up to be a king, they were right. You know that? When they, when they put king of the Jews on the cross above him, they were right. But they missed it. Because he is king of kings and lord of lords, and every knee will, will bow and every tongue will confess that he is such. And he accomplished it through the cross. Amen. Did you know in the early church that was a song? That's a hymn we just read. You can expect next week the band to bust that out for you. We'll, we'll sing that, all right? That, that was a hymn of the early church that, that Paul put in his letter to the Philippians. That, that hymn highlighting Jesus coming, God in flesh, obedient to the cross, and it meant his exaltation above all things. And we stand in that. Amen. Amen. Let's pray. If you'll stand up on your feet this morning as we close up.
So let me ask a question real quick before, before we close out. So I said, I said, I hope everybody here, you're in the forgiveness of your sins. So it would be silly if I didn't ask, right? So if, if you're here today and you're just like, you know what? I've never asked for forgiveness. I would encourage you to do so. Because it is in this that our salvation is found. And the whole deal about this was to get that. That God would forgive you of your sins, but then set you free from your sins. Because, listen, sin is the problem of our world. Amen. And Jesus came to fix it. Amen. Right? And everything you can see as a problem ultimately comes back at some point to sin. Somehow, someway. So if you're here today, and I'm not going to make you come down front. We're not going to make this big show of this. But... We're going to pray, okay? And what I'd love for you to do is when we're done, come tell me that you pray, because I'd like to talk to you more about it. And I, don't, I don't know what you, you know, your experience with God is and, and been in church before or not. Or what, I just want to maybe talk to you about it for a minute. So let's all pray together. And if you've, you've never, and we're going we're to all do this together, but if you've never asked for the forgiveness of your sins, or maybe, maybe you've just been running, running off the trail for a long time and you need to get back on that narrow road, I want you to mean this in your heart. And we believe that God will hear this. And you don't have to follow my prayer. You can pray it your own way, but just, just for the sake of it, we'll pray together. Let's do this. Lord Jesus, I believe in you. You're the Son of God. You came to this earth. You died on a cross. You rose from the dead. And in that, we find a forgiveness of sins. I ask today that you forgive me all my sins, no matter what it is, how much, how often, please forgive me. And I know by that confession, you've heard, and I'm simply forgiven. Thank you. Now teach me. How to, live for you. How to live for you. Let's do this together. For your glory. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. All right. Amen. Good deal. So again, you, you prayed that for the first time, or maybe it's been a super long time. Come see me. I'd love, love to talk to you for a little bit. But let's just pray in closing today. Lord, we thank you for the opportunity to come to your house, and, and we look forward to the things that are coming, but we also are, are excited just to be here right where we're at today. I pray upon everybody this morning, um, no matter what's happening in their life, Lord, you meet them right where they are. And we pray, Lord, for, for your touch in so many different ways, Lord, whether it be physical, Lord, mental, financial, emotional, relational, whatever it is. We come with a lot of things today. Lord, reach to us right where we are. I pray peace that passes our understanding for everybody here. I pray, Lord, for wisdom, a double portion of wisdom for everybody to live daily life. I pray that, that we're challenged these days to stir ourselves up to follow you and be connected to you. But we just pray simply, Lord, that, that in calling ourselves Christians, that we live out what that means. And we grow each day in, into what that means. So we worship you today and we praise you today. We honor you today. 
In Jesus' name, everybody says. Amen. 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 All right, Wednesday night we'll be back. I hope to see you here next Sunday morning. Good to have you.